1: Welcome back to America's Heroes Group, our roundtable community outreach with City of Chicago Veterans Advisory Council. Today is Saturday, November 19th, 2022. November is Military Family Appreciation and Alzheimer's Disease Awareness Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Cleveland, the co-host, Army National Guard veteran. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have our panelists with us, Dr. Terrell Odom. He's a U.S. Navy medic and reservist. And also, he is the chair of the Chicago Veterans Advisory Council. We're going to talk about the Chicago Advisory uh, Veterans Advisory Council. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great, sir. How about you?
1: Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. So, what exactly does the ACVA or the or the Advisory Council do for veterans and their families in the city of Chicago?
0: Well, thank, thank you so much for that question, and thank you both for your service. Uh, the the Advisory Council is one of a uh, few councils that sits under the ordinance for the commission on human relations. So in addition to uh, me serving as the chairman for the advisory council of veterans affairs, also serve as a commissioner on the Chicago commission on human relations. Uh, but these specialty councils advise the mayor, advise the city council. Uh, and in this particular case, we do have a veteran caucus as well that's uh, led by Alderman uh, Gil uh, Viegas. We advise the city on the best practices and policies that should be implemented for veterans and their families in the city of Chicago.
1: Hmm. What are some of the accomplishments, the latest ones, at least of the ACVA?
0: Well, I would say that the latest is the greatest. Right. Um, we we recently um, you know, put a proposal on the mayor's desk earlier uh, this year, uh, in which we're so happy that the administration was able to see that This is a much-needed position and service, uh, but there was a position for a director of Veterans Affairs placed in this uh, latest budget that was just passed by the mayor's office or by the administration. Uh, And now we'll be bringing on board, or the city will be bringing on board, a director of Veterans Affairs. So I expect that search for that candidate to start happening here pretty soon.
1: Wow. So, what ways can community members and veterans and assist the council? What can we do? Because we have an army of veterans across the country, and even around the world, um, that are actually listening to our broadcast. We have millions of people that, that will eventually download this show and hear what you have to say. So, what can we do to help the mission?
0: Well, the mission. I believe the mission is the same, regardless of what city and state you're in. Uh, and President, um, former President Lincoln made it clear that. It was our responsibility to ensure that we care for those who in the battle, their widow and their orphan. Uh, And what I believe we could do is continue the awareness and support for our transitioning service members and their spouses as they're making that transition from the military lifestyle back to the civilian lifestyle. That comes by way of resources, that comes by way of awareness uh, and tons of outreach. Uh, And I would also add in the component of education to better understand how best we can actually support the veterans that may be coming to a specific region. Every region may have different challenges or different uh, um, opportunities, but the challenges for the transitioning service members uh, and their families are pretty much the same.
1: Hmm. Now, to give some people some background, you came on our show before. You've been your familiar voice before the show. You've developed and coordinated specialized programs for the University of Chicago, military-affiliated communities, including undergraduate, graduate, and professional students, faculty, and staff. So how has that experience helped you with this endeavor? Uh, for the city? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, I'm a lifelong Southsider, and I said this to you guys the last time I was on the show. Every weekend, uh, when I would go out with my father, he listened to WVLN. Uh, it was on, we were see the 1390 or Villian, and that's what we listened to do, uh, And every morning when he got home. My work at the University of Chicago, um, it parallels with the work that I'm doing for the city. Uh, the university has taken a, a much uh, more engaged approach to be more engaged with the community at large, uh, specifically with the veterans uh, community. We did launch uh, our Veterans Restorative Justice Project, which I spoke about on your program last time around, uh, with Judge Hooks who's also a retired Marine Corps Colonel and a good friend of mine. Uh, But since launching that program with the Veterans Treatment Court, we have now expanded it, not just at Layton, but also at at the other five Veteran Treatment Courts throughout the county, uh, and also been granted access to continue the work inside the Cook County Jail uh, so that we can better identify veterans who may have cases that can be heard before the VTC, as well as put them in contact with the resources that they're going to need to be successful so that there is no uh, potential for recidivism once they discharge or be released from detainment within the uh, the county court system, uh, the university has allowed that uh, that additional access and influence to be able to do this work as well.
1: And I'll also give you some accolades because you served honorably as a medic, um, and I was I came from a medical company. I was a mechanic attached to a medical company, 708th Med. And, uh, now, you in the United States Navy and the Navy Reserves. You're awarded the United States Navy Sailor of the Quarter, Navy Marine Corps Achievement Medal, the Combat Readiness, Readiness Medal, and you're the Field Services Fleet Marine Force Medal recipient. So with these accomplishments, how do you rank and how do you feel your next goal will be the next medal, the next award that, that life can give or bring to you that would make you proud?
0: <laughs> that's a good. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to have to say I have it now, my grandson. Uh, I now have a a 16-month-old grandson. Uh, So those times when I miss those opportunities with both my daughters, uh, and I'll speak specifically about his mother, but missing those times with them from being forward deployed to now I get to have those experiences with him uh, here in um, Chicago. He's home at my house pretty much four days a week, Uh, and i tell my wife I want him gone because he's making too much noise, but I really don't want him gone. I just want to get a nap in in between. Um, but the the next thing I would like to do is, you know, we launched our uh, Army Military Civilian Trauma Training Team program at the University of Chicago Medical Center. Uh, and what we do with this program is it brings active duty physicians, nurses, enlisted medics, uh, ER or uh, physicians, etc., uh, to help combat trauma on the South Side of Chicago. Uh, Colonel Wilson is our trauma medical director. He's a reservist and also a trauma surgeon. Uh, This is his baby. Uh, What we're hopeful is that we can help reduce the amount of trauma here on on the South Side. And I don't mean just simply by caring for patients once they come to the trauma center, but doing more outreach uh, to youth uh, and teenagers and young adults in the city of Chicago to put them into programs that can change the trajectory of their lives.
1: Mm. Going a little bit back to the Chicago Veterans Advisory Council, so who can serve or who's a part of the ACVA?
0: Well, currently we have 14 members who are currently serving on the Advisory Council. Uh, there, are, there is no requirement that you need to be a veteran or a service member yourself. Um, we have several individuals, again, 14 of them who are serving. We have military spouses. Uh, we have a Gold Star mother. Uh, so anyone who applies uh, to become a part of the Veterans Advisory Council you will go through a vetting process with the city of Chicago just like any employee or appointee for the city of Chicago uh, which includes a background check uh, and then once you have uh, cleared that background challenge you then have to go before <clears throat> excuse me go before uh, the city council and the mayor uh, and be confirmed hmm.
1: and then is that process pretty it sounds like a pretty intense process. Is it, is it as intense as it sounds?
0: No, it's not as, as intensive. Uh, it's more intensive of filling out the paperwork, the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have streamlined that, uh, down to two pages. When I went through, Oh my God, I want to say it was about five or six pages. Um, we streamlined it down again. Uh, it's more so for the background check because as a representative of the city, uh, you will be in spaces that will, um, involve in some cases may involve being around children. Etc. cetera. Uh, mm-hmm. So the city has to do its due diligence to make sure that you are compatible, equipped to be able to do that. Once you get set past that part uh, and you go before the confirmation with the council, a uh, full council, they will confirm you. Then the mayor uh, will be able to appoint you to that position. Uh, it pretty much can be done in about three months.
1: Hmm. Now, is this something that's unique to Chicago or has that been, is there other programs like this or, or councils like this around the country?
0: So I believe our program is unique in regards to the council. However, other cities have had, or, or do have directors of veterans affairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one years, years ago, uh, which fell under fleet and family support services, uh, which again, in our advisement to this administration, we informed them that this position will be better suited directly in the mayor's office and not under one of the auxiliary arms of the city. Um, it was unfilled for maybe three years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but again, now it's uh, gonna be filled here pretty soon, hopefully, uh, and falls directly under the mayor's office.
1: Okay, and then, so if someone was, if a veteran's listening and has credentials or things or things they can offer, what would you say to, uh, how would you motivate them to apply? What are, the, what, are, what are the benefits or what would they, what would you say to a person who would, who could be a candidate for this council in Chicago?
0: Well, you get to hang out <laughs> with a ton of different veteran service members, spouses, etc. Uh, major Hernandez, who I'll give a shout-out to, uh, she's currently a major uh, the commander for one of the medical reserve units here in Chicago. She's currently deployed. Uh, but to get those network connections, to work with other veteran service members, uh, not-for-profit organizations, etc., to better help uh, the cause of supporting this community, as well as uh, potentially strengthening your own programs, whether it be at your employer, uh, setting up an ERG group, uh, employee readiness group. I'm sorry for throwing out the acronyms, but an employee readiness mm-hmm. group. Uh, it gives um, us as a council an opportunity to share information. Uh, as, you, as you guys probably know, a lot of the work that's done in the military and veteran community at times tends to be a little redundant. Everybody's doing the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that particular case, you have individuals who may be, fighting for the same pots of resources. Whereas if we can find those opportunities to better collaborate, we can actually put a dent or put a uh, better or a huge impact on the work that needs to be done for the community.
1: Wow. So any f- final thoughts you'd like to add about that?
0: Well, the work is here. Uh, we, we have 200,000 uh, service members that are transitioning out every single year. Um, I've taken an approach of working with the, um, the university of chicago we just recently launched our skill bridge program which is a program that allows service members to leave up to six months early uh, of their military service uh, so for the last six months they are being paid by the department of defense in their respective branches um, the partners such as the university of chicago ensures that these individuals have um, the gaps of their skills To be uh, presented or offered at the institution or organization. So in essence, we're helping them to transition from that military lifestyle to the civilian lifestyle, whether that be next step is looking for higher education, it's looking for employment, uh, and in some cases, they're looking for entrepreneurship. Uh, So I would definitely encourage individuals out there to take a look at the SkillBridge program. There's a ton of phenomenal experiences in that pipeline, uh, again, of the hardest working people on the planet uh, that are coming out uh, and looking for these opportunities once they um, fully transition into the civilian lifestyle.
1: Wow, that's called the Skill Bridge Program?
0: Yes, sir. Um, At the University of Chicago, we've dubbed ours the OMAC Skill Bridge Program, which is the acronym for my office, Um, but it's a DOD Skill Bridge Program. Skill Bridge is all one word.
1: And they can get that on the website at the DoD, or where they find information about that.
0: Correct. They can go directly to Google and type in DoD SkillBridge. So DoD meaning Department of Defense, uh, and then SkillBridge is all one word, uh, and it'll take you directly to the site. That is actually SkillBridge.OscarSierraDelta.Meal, and it'll take you to the SkillBridge site for all of the providers across the country. So you can narrow your search down by state, depending on where you're choosing to move to. You can look at the opportunities that are offered there, reach out to that SkillBridge provider, uh, set up a time to interview with them to see if that's an opportunity that fits your transition and your career goals, uh, and give them a call.
1: So is this program, is that something similar to like a placement program you might see at a university or is it a little bit slightly different? Because there's a lot more stuff going on when you're a veteran versus, you know, just looking for a job and you come out of college.
0: So when you think about, um, I mentioned this the last time for you guys uh, when I was on the call, uh, here in Chicago, People's Gas. People's Gas has mm-hmm. uh, roughly 1,200 gas utility workers in the city of Chicago. Uh, and this is thanks to Rick Passarelli, um, Liz Belcaster, Will Herbert, uh, and the several other individuals who created the UMAP program, mm-hmm. uh, Utility Military Assistance Program. So I helped to start up that program a decade ago with them. Uh, and out of the 1,200-some total gas utility workers in the city of Chicago for people's gas, close to 800 of them are veterans, reservists, and guard members. This program predated SkillBridge. Uh, back then, uh, you just had to be a Department of Labor-approved program to take an individual from active service you know, up to six months early uh, and put them into a placement program that led to uh, an employment outcome once they were com- uh, completed with the program. Uh, we also now, at the University of Chicago, via our Fermi Lab, uh, we just started what's called our VALOR program uh, at Fermi. Uh, and Fermi Lab is out in Batavia, uh, so it is a little travel for individuals who will be looking to go. Yeah, uh, very but highly respected, nat-
1: highly respected, nationally, recognized, globally recognized laboratory.
0: Absolutely. So we have a VALOR program, which is Veteran Applied Laboratory Occupational Retraining Program. Uh, and this stemmed from our Vet Tech internship program. Uh, this is a six month paid apprenticeship. I'll say, I'll say that again. Six month paid apprenticeship at Fermi Labs that leads to employment with Fermi Labs. Uh, wow. The apprenticeships are also offered in the summertime to JROTC throughout the city of Chicago. So JROTC members can go uh, do an internship at Fermi uh, in their, between their junior, junior and senior years. Uh, and then with, once they've graduated from high school, they have that opportunity to come back and work at Fermi. Uh, and for me, uh, one of the bigger parts is that once you're working at Fermi, you can work to one of our, uh, URA universities and get your schooling paid for whether that be U Chicago, UIC, uh, the community colleges in the city, the community colleges out there, Joliet Junior College, Wabansie, et cetera. Uh, and get your education paid for.
1: Wow, that sounds exciting. And that's, and, that's, and it sounds like it's something that would be so productive to the community and also improving the lives of people, making them more productive citizens, more empowered citizens, more empowering the community because of what the things that they're doing at these types of jobs is actually improving the lives of everybody in the community. That's one of the things that we've talked about a lot in this show today. We had four segments today. And one of the common themes is the things that we pr- contribute and help veterans with are also things that trickle into, in some ways trickle in, but some ways come in like a full foam river to help the community. Because mm-hmm. of the work and research on a Fermi lab is stuff that can change the world.
0: Literally, uh, you know, I, I laugh about it, you know, because I'm in the office of the provost uh, and I always tell my my team and my colleagues at the university, I say, I'm in a playground full of resources. Uh, and been doing this for 18 years and doing it in spaces where you didn't have uh, these types of resources. Uh, So I'm always wrapping my head around different ways uh, that we can get veterans involved uh, with keeping in mind uh, that not every single person wants to go to a four-year university. That just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as you guys know, many service members leaving uh, the military they leave with other priorities or the main priority, which be in their family. Uh, So they may not have those opportunities to sit uh, in a full-time school program. In some cases, a two-year degree may take them four years, or four-year degree may take them eight years because they've got to work and feed their families. So I keep the families uh, and the priorities and the career goals at the forefront of my mind when we're trying to create uh, uh, effective programming for service members, veterans, and their families. Um, we recently extended our SkillBridge program uh, to our medical center. So this year alone, uh, the program started in October of 21, the SkillBridge program. Um, We took on four new hires at our cancer center at the medical center at the University of Chicago. Three of them being transitioning service members and one is a spouse. Uh, So we are looking to expand our SkillBridge program up this upcoming academic year, or forgive me, calendar year, so 23 January, uh, to include spouses for this opportunity as well. Uh, many of the spouses having college degrees, uh, you know, having those breaks in their work uh, experience because of uh, PCS and transitioning to different spaces, etc. but many of them come with skills uh, just as equitable as the service member.
1: Hmm. Man, that's pretty amazing. Because, like, like I said, I can see this going a whole different direction now. I mean, if this is a whole other world, so it's something like, now, correct me if I'm wrong, UMAP also is a program for not just for people that are in the service, transitioning to, to civilian life, help them with job placement, um, with people's gas, become technicians, and things like that. There's also, that program also allows veterans, um, no matter how long you've been out of the military, to also get training and become linemen, servicemen, and technicians and things like that with the People's Gas. Is that correct or is that a different program? Absolutely.
0: So People's Gas, again, has, um, you know, we've transitioned people directly from military service, veterans into the program, uh, and Rick and I uh, had discussed reserve and guard members because in uh, in the beginning phases, it was not an opportunity for reserve and guard members. But over this 2 decade past conflict that we've been in, uh, and I'll speak uh, from personal experience of coming home and going to reintegration events is what they called them, where someone would run out a gym or run out an armory and you have all these employers come uh, and everybody would dress up with their resume and go into these places, but no no one was getting calls back. Right. Exactly. Uh, so we expanded that program to include reserve and guard members. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, whenever I'm outside, I see a people's gas truck. I don't remember all of them, uh, but I remember mm-hmm. uh, several of them. Uh, And they'll always give me the nod and say thanks for the opportunity.
1: Wow, that's amazing. That's a good story. See, we've got to have more stories like this on the radio, on TV, things. Instead of having all this negative stuff about how the world's falling apart and how we're all going to die from COVID and everything else, we need to have shows actually show us examples of how the world is actually improving and and positive things that actually work to make the community better and actually improve the lives of people who would otherwise would maybe be forgotten or falling through the cracks. Mm Mm-hmm. You
0: know, that's well, you know, veterans do that. You know, I always say whether a person is a is a far right conservative or left leaning liberal, uh, not too many people want to be unpatriotic, and who deserves it more than anybody than the individuals who gave it all.
1: I would love to see this transition or this be expanded to law enforcement, first responders, other than you know just in the medical field, but first responders may be inside the police force, law enforcement,
0: maybe the prison yes. system. So- so, so we're actually working ahead of you on that one. Uh, I've been working with the city uh, in regards to uh, setting up a skill bridge program uh, with the city, as well as looking into the fire department. Uh, so here at the university, we've already expanded our program to include the University of Chicago Police Department. Uh, they have a five-month academy, uh, whereas the city, I believe, I believe it's the same one. The city is, is though it may be uh, half a month longer. Uh, but again, if we can start a class. Uh, every other month, so uh, gives that service member an opportunity to get their family situated, to get a feel for you know whatever position that, that they'll be looking to go into, and then time to go through a police academy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, without having to worry about not being paid, uh, because this is a no cost agreement. I make sure I throw that out there. Uh, SkillBridge, uh, because they're already being paid by the Department of Defense, so organizations you're not losing out on um, funding. Uh, but you give them the necessary skills and invaluable skills and experiences that they're going to need to fully transition. But we are in talks with the fire department. I'm sorry, the police department, and looking into the fire department and how we can incorporate that. Uh, we desperately need more law enforcement here in the city of Chicago.
1: Mm-hmm. And then also the skill set, which I think is so important, of what military experience brings—the discipline, you know, especially being in a very tense, intense, stressful situation. Um, we talk about PTSD often, but we also we oftentimes uh, overlook or don't recognize enough of the, of the, the, the traumatic stress or the stress and, tr- and the trauma that, that um, first responders go through. There's a high suicide mm-hmm. rate, um, I mean, that, and with the Chicago police officers and probably police officers across the country, particularly in urban areas. But, you know, we've had that conversation on, in our media here in Chicago with the two absolutely. Of, of police officers. You so have people that are already vetted and trained to kind of be in that kind of burden, that kind of role. That might help them decompress in some ways because, I mean, I'd much rather be on patrol on the south side of Chicago than in Afghanistan or, or in Fallujah or something like that.
0: You, you're absolutely right. And, and I'll give you a, I'll give your your listeners a sneak peek. So uh, we are currently working, uh, again, as I have mentioned, our trauma program at the medical center. Um, working with the University of Chicago Medical Center, uh, the Crown Family School for Social Work Policy and Practice, uh, our violence recovery program through the Medical Center, City College of Chicago, the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, the Gary Stanis Foundation, uh, we are, and the city, we are currently working on, um, a caregiver's course, uh, for caregivers of veterans, police, fire, <coughs> excuse me, first responders, and trauma victims, um, so that the caregivers have a better understanding of what their roles and charges are to care for those heroes and care for those ind- injured individuals, to be able to identify, you know, mental health right um, challenges that come, whether that be a you know, person becoming more closeted, whether it be a person becoming more depressed, etc. Uh, so we do have that at the forefront of our minds of how to make that type that space, as to say. Uh, You can't say all the way better because you're going to continuously have people like this, but somewhat better uh, for the caregivers to be able to tap into those resources and identify those signs early on. Uh, We do expect to launch that uh, next year.
1: Dr. Terrell Odom, U.S. Navy medic and reservist, thank you for your time.
0: Thank you so much, sir. God bless you guys again. uh, Thank you for your service, and God bless all veterans. Thank you.